0: Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim. Hey, we're going to finish up our series on the blood-bought life. We have talked about This and the blood that Jesus shed and and the privilege that we have to belong to Him because of the blood that was shed for four weeks. This will be the fifth week. And I'm going to wind it up today with the responsibility to the blood. We have a responsibility to that which we've been given. You guys know, and I've declared it, I've said it as many times as I know to say it, I'll probably say it many, many more times, that we serve an if-then God. If we do this, then God promises to do this. If we declare Him as Lord, then we shall be saved. The fact of the matter is, we are a covenant people. And so we have a part of that covenant to keep. It doesn't make God any less faithful. It, just co- it means that it's times we step away, but we're not called to step away. We're called to, to dive in and pursue. Amen? And so we're going to talk about our responsibility because I don't think the church was ever intended to be a place where you were just showed up on Sunday, made to feel good about yourself, and then leave. Now, you should feel good about yourself as a Christian. You belong to the Most High God. But the main message of the gospel isn't your best life now. The main message of the gospel is that you've been bought and paid for, because Jesus Christ climbed up on the cross and gave his life so that you could belong to him. And if you belong to him, then you, and if he is Lord, then you have a responsibility to him. And so today, as we talked about all of the things that we've talked about, the first one is that he shed his blood to buy us back from our sin into his righteousness. In that, having bought us back, what he bought us with, which is the blood, was all sufficient, is all too sufficient to do everything he set out for his blood to accomplish. In that sufficiency, we've been given victory, or he was given victory first, both over our enemies, his enemies, and death, to which we, so we get to partake of that fruit. And because he has victory, he was given authority, according to what we learned last week. And he gave that authority to us to grow the kingdom of God. And so what is our responsibility to those things? That's what I want to talk about today. It's going to be a pretty simple message, I hope. Because my head doesn't work real high level. But it's a very pointed one, so I need you to, need you to play along. All right. So we're going to talk about the return on investment that God expects from His investment. You know you're His investment, and He expects something from you. Let me read you something. Because of all these things, all the things that we've talked about up to this point, out of Hebrews chapter 10, which is where we've done the majority of our teaching for this series, 19 through 21, the author of Hebrews says this. Chapter 10 of Hebrews. Therefore, brethren, as we know, therefore means because of all the stuff that we've talked about already, which we have talked about throughout this whole series. If you haven't heard the whole series, go listen to it. You can find it just about anywhere you turn. We've made it as available to you as we know how. YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts uh facebook live those of you joining us on facebook live i I welcome you can we give them a, a a clap and just tell them we appreciate them being with us today but there's no place that you can't find it if you look but i encourage you go and listen to it but he says therefore because of all the stuff that we've talked about so far those things that i just recapped since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of jesus and by a new and living way, which happens also to be Jesus, which is inaugurated for us through the veil that is His flesh. Verse 21, And we have a great priest, which is, who is Jesus, over the house of God. Let us. Dot, dot, dot. Because of these three reasons, we have responsibilities. Because... We have the confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Do you hear a recurring theme? And it's the only message that we have. And that recurring theme is Jesus. Because of Jesus, we have this. Because of Jesus, we have that. Because of Jesus, we can expect this. Because of Jesus, we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Remember, the whole book of Hebrews is written, or maybe if you didn't know, the whole book of Hebrews is written to show Jesus as greater than the Old Testament covenant. So if you'll read the book of Hebrews, you're going to find that He's the greater sacrifice. He's the greater high priest. He's the greater temple. He's he's, he's the greater everything. Everything that was in the Old Testament has been greatly fulfilled in the New Testament through Christ Jesus. And so what he's saying here is that since we have confidence to enter the holy place, which was a reference to the Old Testament where they didn't, they couldn't go into the holy place. Now they're not talking about the holy of holies. They're talking about the sanctuary where all the furniture would have sat, where the high priest ministered daily. Nobody could go there except for the priest, but because of the blood of Jesus, you can go and worship before God without having to worry about dying in the presence of God. What did you do to deserve that? Nothing. The only thing you gave to that was the sin that required the sacrifice that offered that. Verse 20, And by a new living way, which He inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, His flesh, So not only do we have access to the sanctuary, which is the inner side of the, or inside the temple, but not the Holy of Holies, but we've also been given access into the Holy of Holies. Because through Christ Jesus, the veil was torn that we might enter in. And people say, well, that's not that big a deal. You don't understand that you get access and confidence to have access to the divine glory of a God wonderful, beautiful, perfect God in expectation as you kneel before Him, as you reverence yourself before Him, that He's going to do everything that He told you that He would do. That He is going to accomplish everything that His Word says that it will accomplish. And that is reason to celebrate, not because we did it, but because He shed His blood so that it could be done. And so He says we can enter the sanctuary. Because we can enter even into the holiest of places. And since we have a great, high pri- a great priest over the house of God, which means now we don't have a high priest that we have to count on giving our sacrifices for us or making intercession for us. We have Jesus to do those things. Jesus is our high priest now. He prays for us and intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father. He shed His blood so that the sacrifice might be made. Everything that the Old Testament priest did is no longer necessary because Jesus did it all. Everybody repeat after me. Jesus did it all. Man, I tell you, if that doesn't get us excited, I don't know, I don't know if you can be excited. But all of this, He gave to you for one reason. You know what it is? He loves you. He wanted to. That's that's amazing. We should be more excited about the Word of God and the truth therein than we find ourselves a lot of times. We should be a people of great joy because we have access to the presence of a great God. And we don't have to travel to Jerusalem to find it. We don't have to. There's no place that we have to go to find the presence of God. Because God placed his presence in you. All available. All available. Not because of what we did. But because Jesus bought us back. Jesus shed his blood jesus climbed upon the cross on purpose and voluntarily so that we could praise the lord and that's good and so because of all of these things though as wonderful as all of these things are we have a responsibility to them this was just the writer of hebrew's introduction into our responsibilities He says, therefore, since we can do this, since we can do that, since we have a high priest, there's three things that we're responsible to. And here's the first one. We have a responsibility to draw near in faith. I always slow down when I give you a bullet point because I want you to take notes. I tell you, I, I appreciate a good debate. And I say that for this reason. If you don't take notes, you can't study beyond this moment what I told you. And you can't tell me that I'm wrong. You know, the greatest, I, my pastor said this one time, and it's, it's been so true in my life. One of the greatest compliments any pastor can receive is this. I don't know if y'all can hear that. Can y'all hear that? While he's preaching. You know what that is? That's somebody checking to make sure you're telling the truth. That's somebody fact-checking. But well, we should fact-check beyond the sanctuary. We should fact-check at home, too. Which is easier done. I'm as with the page, Bible pages up. Which is easier done when we take notes. And so point one, we are responsible to draw near in faith. Verse 22, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I love this verse. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. I'm going to give you five seconds. I just want you to read that to yourself. This verse declares an intimacy that is only available in faith. Can you imagine all the stuff that I've already talked about? The stuff that I've just said is because God wants to be intimate with you, He wants to have a relationship with you, He wants to love you, and has done everything necessary to ensure that He can have that relationship with you at his own expense, not yours. And our responsibility is to draw near in faith, which means come close in order to seek his grace. In faith, in an absolute understanding that the word of God is true, I build an intimacy. And in that intimacy, I draw close to God. Draw near to me, and, the Bible says, I will draw nigh to you. Now, don't get, don't get that messed up. That doesn't mean that God has somehow, because you, decide, you re- refused to draw near, he some somehow decided to go somewhere else. Because he hasn't. Your rebelliousness, your lack of pursuit, in no way stops his um, omnipresence. He's still everywhere every minute of every day of every second. Which means that even in the worst of your sin, He's right here. But I don't feel Him. You know why you don't feel Him? Because you haven't drawn near in faith. Because you haven't pursued Him in that intimacy. You not feeling Him was your decision, not His. You're not recognizing His presence was your decision, not His. When we walk in faith, when we draw near in faith, Resting in the assurance of that faith, we draw with a sincere heart, a heart that wants to seek, a heart that wants to know, a heart that has a genuine love for God. But that heart is only possible if that heart is humble. Pastor Jim, you talk about humility all the time. Because let me tell you, until you realize you don't have something, you can't receive something. And you're not going to realize a need for Jesus until you humble yourself enough to recognize you have a need for Jesus. That being done by the Spirit of God, which is my prayer over each of you. That the Spirit of God provoke you so that when you begin to feel that, you don't run away from it, but you step into it in humility, recognizing that you can't have it if you're not willing to, to take it. People say salvation is not a work. I'm not asking you to work for it. I'm asking you to just reach out and allow God to place the gift in his hand that he's trying to give you. I never looked at Christmas morning and thought, man, this is hard work. Have you? No, because gifting isn't work. Receiving a gift isn't work. And I wish some people would grab a hold of that. But we have to be humble enough to recognize our need. Matthew five three says this: "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." What does "poor in spirit" means? It means depraved and in complete spiritual poverty. Blessed are the. Those who recognize their complete poverty and depravity before God. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All God wants from us is humble submission. And so many of us miss it because we're not willing to give that. But without it, we have nothing. Romans chapter 3 says it as beautifully as I know how to say it or really as sadly as I know how to say it that none of us deserve what we've gotten verse 323 says for all have sinned and what fallen short of the glory of God but that doesn't he doesn't say that until he first says this there's no one righteous not even one I'm trying to help your humility here Because if you believe the Word of God is true, then you have to believe that this is true. There is no one righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who has done good. No, not even one. Until you're provoked by the Spirit of God, this is you. But you have to recognize a need for what God has placed in your hand before you grab a hold of it. Walk in humility. Amen? Because we don't deserve Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 read like this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it's a gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Man, that's good. I've said a lot of words to say this so far. Jesus shed his blood, and so we owe him a responsibility. That first responsibility is to draw near in faith, which means to walk in intimacy, which means to draw near, which means to draw closer to him, which can't be done unless we're humble and recognize it's not of us, it's of him. And when that happens, he'll do what only he can do which according to the last part of this verse, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He cleanses us. When we draw near to him in full assurance of our faith, he cleanses us of an evil conscience. That's what the word of God says. Well, what's that mean? I don't have evil. Evil conscience just means guilt. You can raise your hand if you want to. How many of you guys have committed your life to the Lord? How many of you guys, after you've committed your life to the Lord, felt guilty about something you did after you committed your life to the Lord or before you committed your life to the Lord? Me too. Me too. Me too. There are days, man, when I'm so weighted down with who I was, and it's hard for me to see who God created me to be. Angela will tell you, and most people wouldn't think this because I'm pretty extroverted. But there's days I don't even want to get out of bed. I'll throw my covers over my head and think, "Man, I don't, de- I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't deserve what God's given me." And I don't, but He gave it to me anyway, so I should walk in it. But we walk in this guilt, which destroys our peace. But if the Bi- Bible but not if the Bible. The Bible tells us that if we draw near with full assurance of faith, he will remove that evil conscience from us. You don't have to carry that around. It's an affront to God to carry that around. Let me put it this way. And I'm not trying to condemn you. I just want you to think on something. Jesus Christ, the divine Christ, shed his blood so that you could walk guilt-free And you walk guilty anyway, come on. We can do better. And you're all, Pastor Jim, that's easy for you to say, man. It's tough, though. It is. You know how you defeat it? Prayer and the Word of God. That guilt that I feel, when I start feeling that guilt for who I used to be, what I've done, Who I've done it with. I pray. And rest in the promises of God. Because let me tell you what can't exist in the same space. Prayer. And guilt. Man that's good. Some of y'all act like you didn't hear what I said. (laughs) Two things can't exist in the same space. Prayer. Prayer and guilt now three minutes after that you might feel guilty again you know what you need to do three minutes after that pray again you'll eventually get to a point where it may be an hour between the time you feel guilty and the next time you feel guilty and then it'll be a week and then it'll be a year and then one day you'll be walking around and something will cross your mind you go you know what i haven't i haven't even thought about that in five years you know why because as we draw near and full assurance Of our faith. The Bible says that he. Cleanses us from an evil conscience. I don't know about y'all man. But that's a promise I need every day. Hmm. When we draw near. Having been cleansed. He gives us a promise of hope. And we're responsible for that hope. Which is our number two point. We are responsible to hold fast. To our hope, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. I had a guy one time just kind of aggravated me because I repeated myself a lot. Sometimes I just read something I want to read it again. This is saying we can't let go of what we've confessed. When it says hold fast to your hope, to have a hope, you will have had to have confessed that hope. And the only hope worth confessing is Christ Jesus. It's saying don't deny what you've confessed. Walk in what you've confessed. Because according to the Word of God, 1 John 2, 6 says, The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So as I hold fast to my hope, I hold fast to the confession of my hope. I live in my hope. I reside under the shadow of the most high hope. I rest in the strong tower that is my hope. I abide. The word of God uses the word abide. Abide doesn't mean pass through. Abide means plant yourself right here and don't move. And there's blessing for those who abide. John says this. John 15, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. This is Jesus talking. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4. Abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Not passing through. Sit yourself down and don't move. Man, I struggle with my hope. Sit yourself down and don't move. I feel guilty. Sit yourself down and don't move. I don't don't feel the presence of God in my life. Sit yourself down and don't move. I'm struggling. Sit yourself down and don't move. Until we sit ourselves down and refuse to be moved, we're going to always struggle. Jesus is bigger than your problem. The blood that he shed was shed for the purpose of removing your problem. All of your problems. Spiritually first, physically second, because this physical will one day not exist. Man, that's good preaching right there. But he just says, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, abide in my love. Over and over and over in this section. Sit down and just rest. Don't move. I'm so grateful to God for that. John 8, 31. Jesus says, if you continue in my word, which is to say, if you'll just rest in my word, then you are true disciples of mine. Your hope is true. But it isn't enough to make a confession. Remember we're talking about responsibilities. We have to grow and hold on to our hope. Hold on to your hope. Our, our brother. Uh, Justin Eskew. Talked to Matthew about the parable of the soils. Luke tells it from. Tells the same story, but from a different perspective. Luke chapter 8 reads like this. Not the whole chapter, but a portion of it. Reads like this. He's telling the, par- it says the parable of the sower. But it's not about the sower, it's about the soil. It says this, when a large crowd was coming together, this is verse chapter 4, Verse 4, chapter 8. When a large crowd was coming together, and those from the various cities were journeying to him, he spoke by way of a parable, which means a story so that they might understand. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell beside the road. And it was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky soil, and as soon as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Other seed fell amongst the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. Other seed fell on good soil and grew up and produced a crop. A hundred times as great. He who has ears, let him hear. Matthew stops there. Luke continues on in verse 11. He says, Now the parable is this The seed is the word of God, which means you are the soil. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what is he saying? He's saying some, sometimes that word is put on you, and your soil is so hard that the birds just come and devour it. It never does anything. It just sits there and dries up or gets blown away. Some of us have soil that is rocky, which means we hear, we receive the word with joy, we believe for a little while, And when we're tempted, we fall away. What's your soil look like? The seed's been planted, or the seed's been cast. What does your soil look like? Those amongst the thorns are ones who have heard, and they go on their way. They're choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to maturity. What's your soil look like? Angela and I call these people people that have been blessed out of their Jesus. This is what that means. You come to church, you darken the shadow of, you darken the door of the church because your life's upside down. Which is fine. This is where you should be if your life's upside down. I'd say greater than ninety five percent of the people that come to church initially the very first time they come to church is because they had a problem they didn't know how to solve and they heard there was a rumor of hope here well there is a hope here and so they get planted that seeds cast the soil receives the seed they start to prosper they get a job they get the car they were looking for they find the wife they were looking for they get the promotion they were needing Whatever the issue is. And then their job, their car, their promotion, all the stuff becomes more important than the, the God that got them those things. And they leave. What kind of soil are you? All, Pastor Jim, I've got to work on Sundays. I'm not talking about people that have to work on Sunday. I'm talking about people that choose to do something other than glorify God because it's convenient for you. Which is, it's a tough word. But how many of us have been there? Seen it or done it? But then he says this. This is who we should be. The good soil. These are the ones who have heard the word. Which have received the seed. In an honest and good heart. And hold it fast. And bear fruit with perseverance. Hold it fast. Hold on. To the assurance of your faith. And you know what's going to happen? The bird's not going to blow. The bird's not going to eat it. It's not going to refuse to take root. It's not going to take temporary root. And produce no fruit. It's going to take deep root. Produce beautiful fruit. And glorify God. The question is. Are you willing. To as this text says. Draw near. With a sincere heart and hold fast to the confession of your hope. you can, you know. it's possible, but it's not possible because you can do it. It's possible because as the text says, because God is faithful. Isn't that amazing? that all the blessing all the cool stuff you've got all the promises you have have nothing to do with you they have everything to do with god he is faithful lamentation says this this is what this is the piece that we hear of this verse man mercy's new every morning so you think you can go to bed acting a fool because mercy's new every morning that's not what this verse means it's only a piece of this verse the whole verse verses 22 and 23 says, The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You know why I can rest in the fact that I have an assurance of hope? Because God is faithful, and he has proven himself faithful, and he will continue to be faithful. Because the word of God says that he will never cease in his loving kindness. That he will never fail in his compassion. That both of these things are new every morning. That his faithfulness is great. And if his faithfulness is an attribute of his, then it has to be perfect faithfulness. Because God isn't anything that he isn't perfectly. Which should bring us some encouragement? It's a challenge, but it should. Every challenge should encourage us. Man, that's good. I hold on to my hope because I know He holds on to me. Somebody, I'll tweet that. Number three, with a surety of hope, we love others as we are loved. Our responsibility is to consider and stimulate our love for one another. Verse 24 and 25, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see, the day is drawing near. The third mark of the Christian responsibility to the blood of Jesus, according to this text, is love. Two commandments, you know what they are? Two major commandments. Love God. Love your neighbor. Can I tell you this is talking to the love your neighbor piece? The first two challenges or responsibilities that we have, that we draw near with a sincere heart, and full assurance of our faith, that we hold fast to the confession of our hope, Those are vertical responsibilities. Those are responsibilities we have to God. These verses, 24 and 25, are horizontal responsibilities to the blood of Jesus. I'm not saying we don't have a responsibility to love God. Certainly we do. That is the greatest commandment. But in regard to this text, he's talking about to one another. You should walk in this place and be just bowled over. With the love of with the love of God, by the people of God, we were sitting in a I think it was a church plant meeting or one of our first leadership meetings, and I told I was telling them i was I don't know if I was casting vision or just chatting with them about vision that had previously been cast, but I told them launch point has to be a church where everyone feels loved and accepted it doesn't matter where you come from what you look like how much money you have how much money you don't have it doesn't matter whether you're from this part of town or another part of town we don't care the love of god is the love of god and that love has been poured out on everyone and lane mullins looked at me he was sitting right there where matthew's sitting and to paraphrase he said then we need to be prepared to receive people nobody else wants. And I said, we're ready. Because Jesus wants the ones that no one else wants. Our job is to provoke one another to good works. That's good works within yourself. That's good works around you to other people. When's the last time you... Needed encouraging. And somebody came up to you and put their arm around you and said, just keep going, bro. It's going to be okay. Keep driving on. God loves you. You're strong enough. In Christ Jesus. He's not going to let you fail. When was the last time somebody did that? More importantly, when was the last time you needed that? You should find that here. Which means not only should you expect that from the people around you, listen to me, your responsibility is to be that to people around you. I shouldn't be the only one looking around the room and praise God I'm not for the person that has their head down looking at their feet the whole time before service. Everybody in this room should be looking at that, per- looking for that person and going over there and telling them that they're loved and someone cares about them. You know why? Because they're loved and someone cares about them. And even if it's not you, it's Jesus, and Jesus is better love and caring about them than you are anyway. It's our responsibility, our final responsibility, to stimulate one another to good works. Mm. When we do this, it keeps us accountable. It keeps us pursuing, and it keeps us unified. You know why I couldn't wait to go back to two services? Because I bet there's people in this room that you haven't seen since we pre-COVID. And you've been wondering, man, I wonder if they even still go here. Which means you ought to be slapped in the head because you should have called them and asked them. (laughs) I had somebody ask me, I haven't seen so-and-so since COVID or I hadn't heard from them. Are they okay? Let me give you their number. Won't you find out? We're supposed to be a family. Amen? And I know family. We got weird cousins, and it's cool, but we're still family. And we are to be unified. I was talking to a guy some time ago, and in this conversation, he told me that he dropped out of church. He said, I don't go to church anymore. He wasn't talking about this church. He didn't go to church anymore. I said, well, that's sad. What happened? He said, it just didn't seem important. I said, oh, yeah? He said, yeah. He goes, I, I missed a Sunday. Nobody called me. I missed two Sundays. Nobody called me. Just so you know, if you don't miss at least two Sundays, I'm not calling you because you might be on vacation. I don't want to be the weird guy that stalks you. But if you need something, the church numbers on the door. Call me. But after the second week, somebody ought to be calling you or telling me, hey, so-and-so isn't here. But he said, so I... Two weeks went by, three weeks went by, a month went by, two or three months went by, still nobody called me. He goes, If I figured I figured if they weren't important to me, if I wasn't important to them, they weren't important to me. That's hurtful. Because God calls us to be unified. Amen. I wanna read you a text as we take communion today that I haven't read before not here in regard to communion it's First Corinthians chapter 10 remember I told you loving one another rightly keeps us accountable keeps us pursuing and keeps us unified both unified to God vertically and each other horizontally Com- communion accomplishes the same thing Communion, the blood of Jesus Christ made us family. And the blood that he shed makes us family. So in verse 16, it says, Is not, not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? So he's talking about the vertical relationship, us to him. Isn't the sharing of his blood and his his body Isn't that the sharing with in Christ? And he says since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Isn't that beautiful? The communion is about remembering, but remembering what he's done and what he's done what He's done horizontally and vertically. And because He loved us enough to do it, we should love Him and one another enough to do it also. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the Lord or the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep, but if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. I know you're thinking, man, this is the fifth week in a row you've covered this. My plan and intent is to cover this every time we take communion. Because let me tell you, you put yourself in a bad place if you take communion without a time for or an opportunity for repentance. He says, check yourself. In verse 30, it says, for this reason, because so many people are taking it outside of proper relationship with God. Many are weak and sick and a number sleep. If that's the consequence of taking it wrongly, what would be the consequence of taking it rightly? It would have to be the opposite. It would mean that we would be strengthened. It would mean that we would not be sick but healthy. And we would not sleep, which means that we've grown numb to the things of God. But if we take the time and examine ourselves, we won't be judged. So we should take a time before communion. Let me let me back off. I feel like I'm yelling at you. We should take a time before communion to say, thank you, God. And if there's anything in my life, please remove it from me. I'm going to tell you something as pointedly as I know how. If you're not right with God, put this down. Or get right with God before we take it. Because for this reason, many are weak, many are sick, and many have lost their passion. And I don't want to be any of those things. I don't want you to be any of those things. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you haven't made a commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord, saying that He's going to be the Lord of your life, don't take communion unless you're willing to do that, unless the Spirit of God is provoking you to do that. I'm going to say two prayers within the prayer that I'm going to pray. One is a personal prayer between me and God, and one will be a model prayer for people that need to get their self right. It's just going to be a model prayer. I'm not going to give you time to catch up or repeat after me. I just want you to know what that should sound like. Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you and thank you that you've given us Jesus, that his body was broken, that his blood was shed so that we could be bought back, so that we could belong to you out of sin and into righteousness. God, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the victory we have, for the authority we've been given. God, that your sacrifice was sufficient, that all of these things are true. God, I pray right now, if there's anything in me that for whatever reason I haven't seen or been made aware of, God, will you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, convict me even now as I'm talking. Show me where I lack. God, so that I might might walk in alignment with You and the promises that You've given. God, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know You or has allowed themselves, as the writer of Hebrews said, to drift away, I pray this prayer. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. I thank You that Your Word says that You're faithful to, to do it when I ask but not only faithful to forgive me you're faithful to create righteousness in me so God I declare in Jesus name that Jesus Christ is Lord that I will live my life according to your word while being guided by your spirit I turn towards Jesus away from my sin and I ask heavenly father that by the power of your Holy Spirit you give me the ability to walk that walk every day God when I fall correct me show me That I might stay pliable in your hand. But strengthen me every day so that I can keep moving forward. I praise you, Heavenly Father, because you are worthy. I praise you, Heavenly Father, because you have done everything necessary for me even to be in your presence having this conversation with confidence. We thank you for who you are. We take communion in recognition that it's not about us. It's not about showing ourselves worthy. It's about showing you is king we praise you for who you are in jesus name amen for i received from the lord that which i also delivered to you that the lord jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let me close this in prayer. Father, we... We proclaim your death until you come. But God, more than that, we celebrate your life before you, until you come. That death wasn't a barrier for you. And because death wasn't a barrier for you, it's not a barrier for us. We worship you and we thank you and we praise you for that. God, that death has no sting, that we have an absolute assurance of our hope. That we can walk in faith that you hold us according to your word. God, I pray that there's any person in this room that either may not understand how much you love them or understand their responsibility to it, that you reveal yourself to them. I pray a special wisdom and revelation over them, God, so that they can truly rest abide in sit themselves down in your presence and stay there let us be a people of peace because you are a god that delivers peace and we worship you we praise you i thank you for every person faithful to your house today and for the heart they have to serve one another we worship you in jesus name amen